Hello everyone, and welcome to episode 4 of our startup series where we're taking you behind the scenes at our very own Good Lawyer to show you the highs and the lows, the chaos and the camaraderie of running an early stage startup. Unlike many business podcasts out there, this show you're not going to be hearing founders reminiscing about building their company several years after the fact. Rather, you are hearing the raw perspectives of entrepreneurs and founders who are currently engaged in the fight to gain traction and to survive and to thrive as a company. In part four, we have on Grant Laring, growth manager at Good Lawyer. The role of a growth manager is still a fairly new and little understood title in the grand scheme of things. Most people understand that they are there to grow the company, but how a growth manager goes about accomplishing that is still a bit of a mystery to Medi, myself included. Lucky for this guy, Grant gives frankly one of the best descriptions I have heard on what a growth manager does at a startup, what metrics he keys in on to measure growth at Good Lawyer, and takes us through some of the great skills to have for those interested in a growth role or for founders looking to hire someone to accelerate the speed of growth at their company. We also discuss how to manage expectations of team members and founders who may want to be growing at a faster rate than what is currently being achieved, the importance of understanding how to do a task yourself before handing it off to someone else on your team, and how to make sure you will learn from the mistakes you will inevitably make when you're building your startup. It was a pleasure to have Grant on the show. I know I learned a lot, and we hope the issues discussed prove helpful to any of you looking to build or grow your own startup. On a final note, make sure you're keeping up to date with all things Good Lawyer by subscribing to our newsletter, which is a weekly summary of stories relevant to small business owners in Canada and also includes links to both our recent Good Lawyer webinars and our latest promotions. To sign up, simply visit our website at goodlawyer.ca and enter your email address in the sign-up form. Alright, that's it for me. Please enjoy this week's episode with Good Lawyer's growth manager, Grant Laring. Grant, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm good, Matt. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on. I uh, I know you had a, a little bit of reluctance at first, but uh, mm-hmm. as I was mentioning, I, I think the role of growth manager is sort of a mysterious one to most people. Uh, so I'm glad that we could get you on and, and help shed a little bit more clarity onto what it is that a growth manager does, especially at a startup. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. I know um, I only ter- heard the term growth manager like a year ago, so it's a pretty... Pretty new concept, I think. Oh, that's good to know. So it's not just me then. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, right on. Well, why don't we just start right at the beginning then? And why don't you just tell us how you first learned about Good Lawyer mm-hmm. and became involved in this company and then what it is that you do in your kind of day-to-day role at Good Lawyer at the moment. Totally. So I um, I actually ran into Good Lawyer at an event. Uh, it was the, the Harvest Builders kickoff event. I think you were there. I was, yeah. I was yeah. there that night. That's right. That's actually when I yeah. first met you. That's a good memory, actually. <laughs> Yeah, it was good. And it turned out that, um, I mean, I knew Parker because Parker had worked with my brother on a different project right. in the past. And he was running around with business cards, trying to sell people <laughs> on Good Lord, which was sick. Uh, and I was just making some friends. I mean, I, I love um, Harvest Builders. And one of my one of my best friends, not my best friends, one of my old friends, uh, Mike, was one of the founders of Harvest. Oh, no and way. It was kind of like a big deal for him. So I want to be there and support him. Right. Um, turned out he was like very popular at the event, so I never got to talk to him. But oh, I uh, bet, yeah, <laughs> founders tend to be. <laughs> it was a big deal. Um, yeah, so it was a really cool event, and we ran into Good Lawyer, and then Parker kind of told me where everyone was at with the company, 
And what they were looking for, and one of the things they were looking for at the time was someone to do Google Ads for them. Oh, okay. Um, so you had no uh, professional relationship with Goodler at the at Harvest at that point? No, absolutely oh, I, okay, not. Okay, so I actually, I didn't even know that. I, I figured there was some connection at that point, but that's where you got your first kind of recruitment session was at the at that startup mixer. Yeah, literally. I mean, okay. I, I thought it was a cool idea. We talked. Yeah. To, I talked to a lot of startups that night. And right. I was like, this is a really cool idea. I know Parker's a smart guy. I remember right. I worked with him before. Uh, another time, I was working at another tech company called Active Conversion, okay, which does a sales software in Calgary. Um, they've been around for quite a while, actually, and they have quite a cool software. But I was working for them full time, and I was also consulting. So I was like, you know what, I'll, this might be a client. I might be able to help them out with these ads just a few hours a week because right. I was already working full time. So I didn't want to do anything crazy. Right. Uh, so I met with Parker again at Analog, and then uh, he told me to come down to the the good lawyer house and meet the whole team. And I went down there and I was like, who are these people? Um, Cause at that point I just met Parker. And I right. thought he was like the whole team. He has that presence. <laughs> yeah. So I came down, I met Brett and I met everybody. Um, and yeah, they were like, okay, let's, let's do some Google ads. Right. Um, so we set that up uh, and I thought I was going to be working in a box somewhere, just like on my own, <laughs> just doing ads. But the response was really good and pretty, like pretty much immediately Tom and a bunch of people on the team stepped up to, to help out. And I was like, Whoa, this is cool. Um, you can, cause you can't really do all that much with Google ads if you don't have like a website that works. Right. Put people on the website, but you can't make anyone buy anything. Right. Um, but Tom was pretty much like, yeah, we'll change the website. Um, if you want to change the website. So, and Parker was like, we might need to develop things to change the oh. website. So all of a sudden it went from being a team of me to being a team of three. Right. Um, and we could actually do something effective and it, it the project kind of, it kind of blew up. It got really big really quick <laughs> because right. we had all these people on it, but the results were way better than I expected. And then that kind of pattern continues. We we expanded the scope of the project. Um, I expanded my role with Good Lawyers, earning more time there. And over time, I kind of just did more and more until eventually they're like, uh, we can't afford to pay you this much, so why don't you right. join the team and we'll pay you with equity <laughs> instead? Um, and I was like, hell yeah, because I think um, I like the product, I like the right. team, and like, I knew very well at that point that it was something worth getting in on. So I felt pretty confident to, to join. So you were with an established company though at the time and and then you presumably left that, well obviously left that company to join Good Lawyer. Was that, was that a nerve wracking decision for you? Because I mean, to your point, you just said you went from what I assume was a paycheck to now getting paid in equity, which uh, you know, not too many landlords that I know take equity for rent. So, you know, how, how was that a difficult decision for you or, or was it just time to move on or what was that, uh, what was that process like? Uh, I, I guess there's two parts to it. One, it was time to move on. The, uh, the water was boiling at active conversion at the time. It was getting very stressful and they okay. laid off, uh, pretty much the entire client success team. In fact, there was Six people when I started, they were down to two when I left. I think they're all gone now. Oh, wow. Um, so it was on kind of on fire. Right. Is that business still around? They're still around. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and I do think it's a good software. I'll, I'll go back to mm-hmm. that. I think it's a good software and good softwares go through hard times. They served of a lot of oil and gas providers. Ah, uh, right. So the oil price actually hit us before COVID. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, people started going out the door. Um, I was one of them. I almost made it to the end. <laughs> right. But I did get laid off eventually just before, uh, pretty much like the week I accepted my full-time offer with with good lawyer right um so the timing was pretty good on that right no that's uh well it's nice when things work out like that so Mm -hmm. how did you uh know how did you develop these skills in the first place like google ads like where did that come from i mean i've got a background in in kind of all the different areas of growth because if you take it back to why growth is such a vague term and why people don't understand it 
Um, there's three main facets to growth. So one is marketing, one is sales, and the other is customer success or client service or whatever you want to call it. Right. Uh, I've actually worked in all three of those over my career. So I've done about six years. My career is about six, seven years long now. And I've, I've done at least two in each role kind of right. thing. Uh, understanding all three of those is kind of the basis for, for being a growth manager. You do have to understand all three functions at some level. Right. Uh, it generally checks T-shaped individuals, as they call them. Are you familiar with that term? I, I am, actually. But do you want to explain it? Basically, you have a, a broad understanding like the top of the T. Right. And then uh, of the whole topic. So in this case, those three facets. Right. And then a really deep understanding in one. Right. So um, Google Ads being one of the examples of having a deep understanding of one of the parts of the sales, marketing, uh, and customer success, correct? I- exactly. And there's yeah. a, and, and as I as I understand, there's a million different ways you can go. Like SEO is part of that. Like uh, copyright. There's a whole bunch of even programming. Things like that can all be part of that T that you're talking about but it all derives from that un- that basic fundamental understanding of sales and and marketing and these types of things yeah yeah there's a lot to it. yeah there is <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think that's one of the things that like keeps me incredibly humble because i know exactly how much i don't know right. um it's a lot right it's a lot of things i don't know particularly well i understand at a high level uh, and i'm lucky that yeah my, my particular t the, the deep skill i have right. is google ads okay um, so that was really useful not only to, to get in the door a good lawyer but to make it's, a good it's a, first impression too yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it just happens to be a really useful tool for anyone who does the kind of client volume we handle because um, it's fairly high uh, so if you're if your t was uh in sales or customer success it would be much less useful for our company because right. uh when i started for example we only had so many clients we didn't have hundreds of clients um or customers not clients sorry I do the same thing. Don't worry. Because yeah. I always call it client success. But I know. Yeah, yeah. I, I hear you. I hear you. So we've got all these customers. We don't. We didn't have all that many customers. Like being a right. specialist in customer success would have been kind of useless to start with. Being a marketing specialist made more sense. Totally. Um, yeah. No, that's excellent. So fast forwarding a bit, then. So what do you do for Good Lawyer? Like obviously, I assume Google Ads has something to do with it. But can you just give us a description of what? being a growth manager means at a startup or at a tech startup and then specifically obviously with uh, with Goodlawyer. Yeah, so I guess I'll start at what it's like for me at Goodlawyer because that's easier. Please. There are, there's a team. I guess that's the first thing. <laughs> but the big thing here is that there's a team. I think like to do all of these things would be ridiculous for one person. Right. Um, so I'm really fortunate to work with such a team and we've got about uh, eight people, depending on how you count people, right. eight or nine, maybe 10 people in growth. Um, all doing pieces all doing different pieces so my role as growth manager at Good Lawyer is a lot about like making sure all those pieces make sense and they go in the right direction and everyone understands uh, what we're trying to achieve as a team you're the maestro yes <laughs> I like that growth maestro there you go <laughs> uh, it's coming yeah. out on the business card soon here people <laughs> yeah okay totally so that's a big part of it and like um, and it's kind of the, the magical part too because you can accomplish a lot more if everyone's going in the same direction. It just of makes course. things kind of easy. And if you have the right people doing the work and they have the right tools, like thing, you just eat up the ground. It's so quick. Right. I, I yeah. imagine that that could get out of hand if you're not, if there isn't someone like you in a, in a company, because if everyone's going in different directions on all those different facets and there's a multitude of them, as you mentioned, uh, you know, you could have a pretty chaotic growth strategy pretty quick if you're not careful. And I'm sure that I'm sure you've seen examples of that potentially in other companies where that's happened. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it could happen. I think it's always kind of chaotic inside a company. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. You get in there and you're like, man, this is messy. Um, Even the most organized companies I've been at have felt kind of chaotic, especially for someone like me who 
I, you may not know this because you don't work as closely with me. I'm, right. I'm very organized, and that's kind of my my thing. You strike me as that. Yeah. I've seen you work on the whiteboard before, yeah. and it's very, very orderly. And yes, it's very nice. It, it, it keeps me calm, actually, So, because <laughs> <laughs> I'm not always the most organized. So uh, having people like yourself around is uh, a very nice mm-hmm. thing. But yeah, no, so it, so this role suits you then? I, I grew into it, I think. Right. like. Uh, like I again, I was lucky to come in as a consultant and to grow into the role right. because I got to to meet the team one at a time. I wasn't just like thrown into it and been given like these are all of your people and like <laughs> get all this stuff done. It was right. like project by project. We're like, okay, now I realize we need you know we we need someone to call all of our customers. Right. And like at first, I was like, okay, that's gonna be me. Let's see what this looks like. I called all of our customers, and then I was like, okay, we got more customers. Who's gonna call the next batch? And like I kind of realized like I need help calling these people, or it's just gonna become my whole job. Uh, it's very important. Like we can see that from my first set of calls, but I can't do it myself. So I was like, okay, I need someone to help with this. And I was like, you know what? Um, we have that person. Like I, I would love to work with this person on this project uh, and actually turn this project into an operation. And then I, uh, we had that happen. And, and that's kind of what's happened to me throughout the growth, the, the growth journey at Good Lawyer is I've started a lot of projects and then turned them into operations. So, uh, and from the sounds of it, very hands-on, like you get your hands dirty yourself, and then once you've kind of cracked the code, that's when you can build a process around it? Yeah, and I'm, I'm a huge believer in that. Right. Um, because a lot of the, like a lot of operations can become a drag. So, of course. For like, you could tell someone, you could tell someone like, you need to call uh, 100 people a day. Mm-hmm. Um, but until you actually try that, like you don't know all the issues that are going to hit. Um, so we do call a lot of people a good lawyer. Um, but every single type of call we've done, I've done first because I wanted to know what it felt like and what the obvious issues were. Right. Um, and a lot of the time, honestly, it's a terrible idea. <laughs> you call them and the client's like, why are you calling me? Oh, really? This sucks. I'm like, okay, we need to like rejig this whole system. Like we right. need to, we need to give them something or we need to make it shorter. We need to, uh, call them at a different time. Like I learned a lot really quickly from mm-hmm. the first like 10 calls I make. Uh, and then that means that the person who has to follow me in, who g- kind of takes the project to where it's going to go, which is really, it's the most of the work. Um, they at least don't uh, get the worst of it. They get right. an okay experience to start <laughs> right. with, and then it hopefully just gets better. They get a bit of a playbook. Yeah. Okay, right on. So, so take us through like a, a, an average day for you then right now. Like what, obviously being a, a growth manager, it doesn't mean sitting behind a computer all day and, you know, analyzing data, even though I'm sure that that must be part of it as mm-hmm. well. But like, you know, obviously you have that customer interaction. Like what, what else do you do in, a, you know, a typical day or a typical week? Like what kind of uh, roles will you fill? Good question. Um, <laughs> I think if you ask anyone in a startup what the typical day looks like, they have no idea. Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's try. Uh, I'm basically, I think about four metrics um, every single day. So I look at these first thing in the morning when I wake up. One of them is revenue. Uh, we have monthly revenue targets. The second is customers, which we also have monthly targets. The, th- the next is leads. Uh, and the final is lifetime value. So for those who aren't familiar, that's the, the total amount of customer spends with your with your product. Uh, and those all reflect a different function. So uh, revenue is what growth worries about. No one else really worries about revenue besides the CEO, obviously. Right. <laughs> who has to pay the bills, yeah. <laughs> uh, the marketing team worries about leads. So that's generating people who might be interested in buying something. And the sales team worries about customers. So they turn those leads into customers. That's their job. And then lifetime value is about retention uh, and making sure that your customer's get all the services, all the things they need, uh, and they spend enough to keep the platform afloat. Um, a big part of that is actually customer support, which is, I mean, some people would say like NPS might be a better measure, but you got to 
we had to pick one and we chose that. Actually, that's a great, great explanation. That, uh, thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> that actually, uh, <laughs> uh, that's a great yeah. uh, framework to think about it and having those four metrics that you're keying on. Because I, I assume, too, if you have too many, like that, again, you can kind of lose track if you're trying to track too many things. Is that correct or, n- or not so much? Totally, yeah. So, so we're drowning in data. Like marketing is just drowning in data as a profession. Sales is catching up to that, and customer success is also just getting started on like what horrors you can right. <laughs> you can get into with metrics. Um, so I find like simplifying it to those uh, guides operations, you still need to deep dive. So I guess that's the other thing is like growth is a lot about an- analysis, right? Uh, and there's two ways to do that. One is through data, which we're like I said, we're drowning in data. Every company in the world is now drowning in data, right? Um, so learning how to like blend it, mix it, visualize it, um, put it into action is a big part of working growth the other bit's the qualitative data um so that's where they pick up the phone i do try to pick up the phone as much as i can right. talk to customers talk to lawyers um talk to the team and just see like what they think of things because the quantitative is, is just too slow for what we do in a startup it's just too slow you can't right. wait to get a statistical sample to make any decisions on oh interesting yeah. so you do rely quite a bit on the uh like the actual numbers then yeah that's that's kind of the driver of your decision making if i'm understanding you correctly yeah for sure i mean like you have to do some napkin math like, right like what if i do is a lot of what i do is projects so like if you're looking at a project you're like i want to run you know i think it'd be really valuable if we implemented an automatic email that goes to people who haven't bought a service in three months now you need to do some quick math you're like well how many customers do we have right how many haven't bought a service in three months what kind of, how many do we think would buy a service if we just sent them an email? So then you kind of, you get a number. You're like, okay, well, we expect like, that means like one person every three months is going to start buying one extra thing. Which like, that's pretty low. Now you can try it and see, um, but you could also just be like, let's try something else because the, the ROI on that looks really low. Yeah, that's interesting. That's really interesting, actually. Uh, so like, what's, what attracted you to this type of role in the first place? Now, where did you begin? Or is it just something you found along the way? No, I think that's a super good question. I think um, it's one that you know, kind of takes a lifetime to answer. Sure. Um, marketing and growth, I can genuinely say that I kind of fell into it. But that it also, it, to end up at Goodler after that start, I think looks pretty much inevitable. Like I worked in technology, I worked in marketing, I worked in sales, like all these different things. Uh, and it led me over the last six years to really come up with the idea that what I want to do is to build big tech companies in Calgary. Okay, um, awesome. And it with... That in mind, there's not that many options to work with, right? Uh, especially because of what I've seen in the tech community in Calgary is that the gap is small startups, right. um, the ones that don't have that first round of venture capital. We've got tons of really small startups. We just don't have a lot of scale ups or people that are getting any kind of traction. Yeah, the the ecosystem really isn't uh, built out here yet, is it? And it's missing. From what I can see, it's missing sales. Oh, interesting. Like, really? Like a lot of people have great ideas. I talk to entrepreneurs in Rainforest and sort of Calgary all the time, and they've got great ideas. It's just that getting out to actually sell them is really hard, and they tend to not do that. They tend to be um, engineers or builders, mm. that kind of founder. And um, they're lacking that side of things. Yeah, which is way easier. <laughs> like the sales part is way easier than, than the engineering part, especially right. if you're developing like, yeah, like a, a pipeline monitoring tool or something that's really sure. technical. Like. The sales part's way easier, but it's still missing. That's really interesting, actually. So, uh, you know, you, like many of the good lawyer 
team members seem to have a bit of a masochistic streak to you in the sense that, you know, just working a startup alone just doesn't seem to be enough. Like in your spare time right now, you've decided to go get an MBA. Uh, so, A, how are you managing all that? <laughs> I hope well. And then B, what I'm just kind of curious because, you know, you hear a lot of, especially at a Silicon Valley, you know, a bit of a derision for formal education. Uh, you obviously very interested in startups, interested in building an ecosystem, helping growth in Calgary and, and potentially elsewhere, obviously, too. So what, what was it about that that said, yeah, no, you know, this is worth my time and effort? That's a great question. Um, the main reason I'm in the MBA is that, like the same reason I do any of my, my random education things. I, I basically don't feel like my skills are enough to accomplish what I want to do. Interesting. Yeah. And this is the best way that you think that you can get to that next level, be it through connections that you make in school or even the, obviously the teaching itself. That's kind of where your head's at with it. There's definitely connections are a part of it. Right. Um, universities are innovation hubs right. full of the, the best startups. Uh, one of my classes literally is working with, is consulting for startups in the Creative Destruction Lab program, right. which we talked about earlier. Um, so yeah, are you around like the best ideas in the city? Absolutely. Right. Um, the UFC campus is littered with startup incubators. It's and it's actually unbelievable. Oh really? Tons of wow. tech companies in there. Med tech, energy tech, education tech. Um, it's all kind of in like a big campus near the UFC. Wow. I didn't actually know that it was that uh, prolific. Yeah, it's, it's great. Um, so that's the connection component. Um, the other bit, though, is, is the actual skills. And I think right. uh, some of the tools that are needed to grow startups aren't things people think about or can, or, or that you can get anywhere else, really. And one right. of them is leadership. Mm. Um, great Because point. it's hard, like, like I mentioned before, like all of these projects are doable on your own, but they're slow and they may not be as good if you do them on your own. Uh, if you have leadership skills, you can... Um, you can accomplish much, much more, much faster. So right. I really wanted to polish my leadership skills, and that's a big part of the MBA, which I really liked. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Well, that's a great, that's actually a great answer, because I agree that, I mean, you can start a business on your own. I am not fully convinced you can start a meaningful growth startup on your own. Like, I, I think that if you're on your own, yeah, you can get so far, and some people are savants and can create a great product or even a great business, but... You, to your point, you can only do so much. You can only specialize in so many things before you're, you're going to run into that point where you need help and probably need to bring on uh, other co-founders or other technical people with the knowledge in the area that you lack. And obviously having that leadership is, I mean, I, I think we have a great leader here, obviously at, uh, at Good Lawyer and Brett. And uh, I mean, I don't think there's any better example of how much a strong leader can contribute to the team. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I think startups, like, part of the definition of startup is is about aiming high. Right. You can only accomplish so much on your own. I think what you said is spot on. Right. Now, as a growth manager, I think you have, uh, I'm guessing half of your role, maybe not half, but a, 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 a significant part of your role is probably managing expectations because I don't think I've met a founder ever who doesn't think that they should be growing at 100x what they are, right? Like, I mean, and that, yeah. that comes from that entrepreneurial enthusiasm that, uh, like, again, Brett, our CEO, is blessed with, and uh, many others out there are as well. And obviously, I know that they uh, they have a good understanding of what's happening, and they know that Rome's not built in a day, but how do you manage expectations, especially uh, going back to this kind of leadership theme that you mm -hmm. talked on, like, how do you manage expectations, especially of, like, strong-willed, smart people that are, you know, potentially wanting more and more out of you? 
Or do you at all? <laughs> That's a... I, I, let me start by saying I wish I was better at it. Sure. Oh, I, and I think you're, you're spot on. That I think like the startup world is weirdly... I think they're weirdly aligned, like in agreement around these metrics and like like the idea of doubling month on month is super common in startups. I'm like, what does right. that mean? Like doubling what uh, for how many months? Because every growth curve I've ever seen in my life is an S. Um, so hmm. which point of the growth curve are we on? And like, what kind of growth are we talking about? <laughs> like, are we in the part where it's going crazy? Like right. in the S, like in the middle, yep. that's the growth part. Um, what part of the startup journey is that? That's what I would like to know. I think it's probably not this part. This is product market fit we're a little bit earlier we're right. a flatter bit i would agree um, yeah but but to that point industry benchmarks seem hard to find mm. um i i've talked a lot recently not not to you obviously but yeah. <laughs> um to other people in my life about how i would love to actually do a research paper or some kind of like academic research on startup growth to see what those revenue curves actually look like for most companies i know when you look at like like a lot of people show me uber's growth curve and i'm like are you kidding me like one, 20 years, two, kind of the exception to the rule. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so like, you expect every startup to grow like, oh, yeah, we just need to be similar to Uber. It's like, yeah. Uh, th- yeah. <laughs> that would be great. Uh, actually, in, in some ways, a Calgary company though, right? So uh, yeah. it has some Calgary roots. Uh, yeah, that's right, yeah. So I guess the, the final bit, the, the tip on managing expectations, um, and I would love to hear more tips on this from other people, but mine is uh, do the map, napkin math when you look at new projects. So every time I do math something out, I'm like, like I said, I was like, you send 300 emails, expect one of them to convert. This is the kind of return you expect. It's going to take us approximately this much time to make it. Um, we can do this project, but this is the result you can expect. I think that's pretty sobering for people. And it, it really does help. It takes about you know 20 minutes to do that. Right. But it can save you hours in doing the project if the project's not going to do anything for your company. That's, that's actually a great point because um, I know in law, for example, obviously the industry that we are in uh mm-hmm. when you're when you're about to enter like a letter of intent or something let's say to either like sell a business or something like that or buy a property or whatever it is one of the tips is invest time there because that will save you even if it's two or three hours on the front end will save you hours on the back end and i think you're right just kind of anchoring expectations initially probably goes a long way just to, to uh you know just to make sure everyone's on the same page so that in a month you know, someone doesn't come knocking on your door and saying, hey, where are the results? And you're like, no, no, this is this is going to take six months, you know, or, mm-hmm. or whatever. Or we are seeing results. Here they are. And, oh, this wasn't what I was expecting. So I think that's a, a, a fantastic point. So uh, switching gears just a touch here. Um, let's say tomorrow, you know, good lawyer. This is all a dream. Good lawyers disappeared, never exist, just a, a beautiful, glorious dream. And you were not actually being interviewed by this smooth baritone lawyer slash podcast host. <laughs> Maybe not that, but uh, my first question is, would you, um, and I think you've already answered this, but you would, you like the startup life. You like this uh, type of atmosphere. Mm-hmm. You would get involved in another startup, correct? Oh yeah, this yeah. is it. This is it for me. Yeah. So you, Find something like you see learn. yourself uh, being in this type, would it have to be a tech company or is there a specific type or are you just interested in startups in general and that energy that comes around building something? I don't think I have a type. I, I guess if I had a type, it'd be good things. Right. Um, I think any salesman will tell you it just sucks to sell something that sucks. Right. And like, yeah, if that's a type, it's a type. Something right. that's good. And like usually what that means is like talk to the customers. I like to talk to the customers before I sign up mm-hmm. and see if it's actually good. 
Awesome. Yeah, no, that's a, a yeah. great. So you're not just going to take the first flyer that comes by. You're actually going to take some time to invest and check out the company and make sure that you're a good fit. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, so assuming again, like let's say you did switch to a new company or you had to redo Good Lawyer, <laughs> what lessons have you learned over the last year? Like what would you, if you could do it differently, your role, where, what would you do? Is there any things you say, ah, you know what, I would start here. I, I did this. I, I, at the time, this is what I knew, but mm-hmm. knowing what I know now, here's what I do differently. Or do you think that this is just sort of a, a natural evolution where you're going to have to, uh, you know, figure it out and make a few mistakes along the way? I mean, or maybe, and I don't mean to characterize them as mistakes either. Like, you know, oh, just there's learning. Been mistakes. Okay. <laughs> okay. All, right. All right. As long as there's no oh. offense there. Yeah. No, there's been so many mistakes. Yeah. I think uh, <laughs> I'll start with that. Mistakes are, yeah, we make a lot of mistakes here at Good Lawyer. Um, but we learn from them quick and don't do them again. How do you do that? Like, how do you learn from a mistake? Because easier said than done. I, it starts by trying something. And I think that that's something that startups are good at. But I think in, if you want to learn from the mistake, you have to actually try pretty hard. Um, so you have to give it an honest crack mm-hmm. to see if it's something that is actually going to work. And like, if that comes up with no result, I'll give you an example. Please. Um, we ran the legal health check campaign right this year. So uh, we thought this is a cool product people would love. It's like a chance to audit your business, um, see kind of where your legal gaps are. Turns out businesses don't want to know where their legal gaps are. They would rather <laughs> just not know. I think all of them are a little bit nervous to actually find out. Um, and frankly, it's kind of in some ways it was kind of a self-serving product. It was like we could find these gaps, sure. we could fill them, we can sell a bunch of services to people. Um, but we gave it hell. I mean, we gave it a like two and a half weeks, three weeks of a month, um, where we did nothing but advertise this product. We had right. our whole marketing team, our whole sales team on this. We we gave it its own web page. We um, talked to all our partners to get them to promote it. Um, and then we decided after three weeks, not the full month, uh, it wasn't working. We hadn't sold a single one. Right. right. Yeah, it's a bit like taking your car to a mechanic and just asking them to tell you everything that's wrong. It's a little bit scary. Yeah. They're always like, oh, you're going to die for sure. And yeah, like, exactly. Oh, no. <laughs> you were inches away from death. Yeah. Let me yeah. sell you all this stuff. Yeah but, yeah, but there was obviously lessons learned there. Yeah. And I think, to me, this speaks to the character of Gunlar, too. Like, one, we did try it. Um, everyone gave it an honest attempt. And two, we didn't commit the whole time because it wasn't working. Um, we turned it around. And they actually, the second half, or like the last third of August was wildly more profitable. And like, it didn't take all that much to turn it around. Oh, excellent. Um, get back on track. But the thing is, we had to try something. And I think right. that's super important because in growth, like we've also had projects that are runaway successes. And I'll, I'll give one of those. Please. Um, it's the the legal concierge project that's Um, been crazy successful which has been crazy successful and all this really is is a way for people to book a chat with someone who's not a lawyer who can help them navigate the legal services that are available right uh and they can do that in a really easy way of course it's free uh they can schedule on their own time um it's it's a much more approachable way of uh entering in to the conversation about what you need because I do think that there's a lot of people who and right rightfully in a lot of senses feel that you know as soon as they have a lawyer on the phone they're probably going to get sold yeah they're going to get some advice but there's also that sales element there too and and kind of to your point I think that's a softer way to be like hey what do I need here here's someone with experience on this platform knows how to navigate it and then at least when I do meet that lawyer if I if that is what I need I'm a bit more set up to deal with uh, the outcome of that yeah exactly yeah it's it ends up being a massively useful thing and it, right. looking back it looks like oh obviously that's a good idea it was not apparent up front that would be a good idea right uh we already had a phone number we had an email they could easily talk to the same person in like a million different ways mm-hmm. um 
so why was this a success? I don't know, but it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, to our to our credit, I think the response was great. We we started with a free tool. We weren't sure we wanted to commit cash to this, um, but within a week, we had a bunch of different bookings, and we're like, you know what? Let's let's make this a full time thing. This is obviously successful. We forked out some cash. We got the right tool. Uh, now it's a it's a running operation. It's, right. it's, it's a real thing for us. Right. And potentially one of the most impactful projects we've done. Amazing. Yeah. That's, uh, that's great to hear. Is it just a matter of random testing or is there a bit more of a, like a scientific approach that you guys take to this? You know, are you using data to really learn those lessons or is it, especially in a startup, kind of to your point, when we're trying to get traction, is it a little bit like, yeah, you're going to have to throw a few darts at the wall and some might surprise you and they'll <laughs> stick where other ones that you think are going to be bullseyes like just fall off the board kind of thing. Yeah, I think it's, it's ties in well to the whole conversation right, we've yes. had. Like you scope the projects out a little bit. Right. And then you give them your best shot and then you learn from that. Right. And, um, you're not going to get like statistically viable numbers ever. So the academia is probably just in, in shock right now in what we do. Um, but it doesn't really matter when the sample sizes are reasonably small and the response is reasonably strong. Um, so yeah, yeah, great. We, we do a lot of dart throwing. Yeah, no, I well, absolutely. I, I, I'm, yeah. I'm unaware of any other way because I think startups is about taking risks and finding out what does work, and that is the whole kind of thing around product market fit. You know, is uh, is trying to find that uh, that friction or that traction there. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, if you did have to do it again, is there anything that you would change? Like, would you focus on different things initially? Like, how would you approach Good Lawyer if you could rewind the clock a year? Uh, I've got a couple things. One would be the the marketing tech stack. Um, we went in. Uh, I mean, we we were well funded to start with. To be honest, right. we had we had enough money to afford the right tools, um, and we didn't feel like we needed to spend a bunch of money on tools right away. Uh, looking back, though, in any future company that I start with, we're going to get the right tech stack right away. Um, for okay. us, it was HubSpot. It's just it's just so great to have all of your tools in one place, and um, it makes the whole team more effective um, takes kind of takes the blinders off the rest of the team so they can actually everyone can see the same numbers right. which I think is really really important and for us it's been transformational and like we've only uh, I'd say we initiated the HubSpot transition at the beginning of August um, kind of entered phase two in September and now we're kind of like phase two is kind of done we're kind of looking at what phase three is going to look like right um, but the, the change has been it's been pretty significant. Mm-hmm. No, good answers. Good answers. Uh, so we're at now at the uh, favorite part of my conversation where I get to ask you about some favorite resources that you have uh, come across along your way that have helped you, whether that be in growth or otherwise, that maybe you'd like to share with the uh, the people listening. Sure. Um, I'm going to sound like a nerd now. Please. <laughs> Ner- nerds run startups, man. That's uh, need, need those. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I guess I'm a huge fan of, um, courses, online, online courses, physical courses, whatever. Um, I'm gonna recommend a couple that I like. Please. So one is surprisingly this, the certified associate of project management course. You heard of that? I actually have. Yeah. I, I've, uh, I think, I think they advertise on like social media. Probably. I think I've seen these things pop up because I'm a big course taker myself, so I I guess I'm a nerd as well. (laughs) But please, maybe just describe that a bit. Well, it's like a, it's a project management course. Um, Essentially the the lightweight version of the PMP, the professional project manager. Right. Um, Which, or 
project management professional. Right. That backwards. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that, that's a really heavyweight course. That's for people who like build apartments for a living and that's all they do. And it's very like rigorous. It's like, there's something like a, like a 207 processes you have to remember. Oh, and those involve like three stages in each. They got the inputs, the tools and techniques and the outputs. And you just got to look at like, what do you put in? What do you use? What does it make for two, like 200 something processes? It's insane. Wow. Um, so the CAPM is like the lightweight version of that. It still covers all those processes. Unfortunately, I had to memorize pretty much all of them. Um, you don't use them all in a startup. I don't think even a, in a building an apartment building, you probably don't even need right. all those processes. They're insane. Yeah. Uh, but it was a really useful thing for me in terms of structuring uh, projects, which is a lot of what I do now. Um, looking at the scope, the the budget, the timeline, that kind of thing. Hugely important. So I thought that was awesome. And it was like 400 bucks to get the certification. Uh, I found a course online for like, 20 bucks on some kind of free uh, course site. Yeah. Help me practice. You remember Udemy. Udemy. Yeah. Oh, Udemy. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. So I took the okay. course on Udemy. It was 20 bucks. Um, and it was a really, really good course. It took me like three months to get through. It was wow. Like, it's a long course. Yeah. And then the certification's 400 bucks. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, so Excellent. Now, the other one I was going to do, I was going to recommend was, uh, first of all, the Google Ads courses, if you're going to be doing Google Ads. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of need to know how that works. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Three Two One Growth Academy, who you've had on the uh, show, yeah, uh, former guest of the show, absolutely, has a great show. Yeah, check out that episode if you haven't. Um, but basically, I, I've taken their Kickstarter, so I haven't gone through their full course yet, uh, which is like a one month one. It's really lightweight, but honestly, it takes all of my education in marketing and condenses it into what you actually need to know to run a startup. And I'm pretty impressed with it. So I'm planning. Uh, after my MBA chills out in the spring to actually go back and take the full man, you just uh, love school there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you just can't. Man, what are you gonna do now that school's done? More school. Oh man, can't wait to can't take wait. the fun. Yeah. the fun school. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm glad people like you exist, Grant. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done with school. I'm. A, I'm a lawyer. That's it. I'm over. <laughs> uh, no, but that that's awesome. That's awesome. Hey, so any any other ones? Or we cover the the two that you wanted to cover there. Uh, the final one's the HubSpot sure. one. Right. So um, they've got amazing courses on the academy. They're free. They're well done. Um, I took one on web design from them a long time ago. That's been really impactful for me, and I continue to go back to their academy yeah. first up all the time. Yeah, they their HubSpot. What they give away for free is is incredible because I know that people charge for courses that are way worse. Yeah. So it's <laughs> uh, and I know they that's obviously part of their marketing initiative to get people into their their system, but. Man, for anyone who's looking, that is a great place to start on so many different topics too. Like anything related to marketing or sales, they'll probably have uh, quite a few resources for you uh, that you can use for free. So yeah, that's a great, uh, great recommendation. Probably uh, got something on how to run a podcast. Yeah, I actually I should check. <laughs> I could use some tips. Yeah. Um, so. Anything that I missed that you think I should have brought up here, or did I uh, did I cover cover everything okay? Any last, any final words? Is there anything you still want to know? I mean, there's lots, but I think I think mm. for the first one, I think we did a pretty good job here. That uh, I actually have a much better understanding of how you approach your job, and uh, obviously, good lawyers starting to get some great results. Uh, it's very exciting. Like you said, it's an S shape a lot of times this growth curve, but we're starting to see that first kind of meaningful. I shouldn't say meaningful. It has been growing, but uh, it's it, you know that traction is really starting to come, and man. It's exciting around here these days, and obviously you're a big part of that. Mm-hmm. Nice. Right on. Cool. Well, thank you very much. I know you're a busy guy. I uh, appreciate you coming coming on my little show here, and uh, I think this was great. So uh, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. 
Thanks again to Grant for being on the show this week. If you like what you heard, please rate, download, and subscribe. Until next time, we hope you have a great week.